Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at NortonSimon.org. You have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from Alleist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at LAist.com slash sweeps. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Great to have you with us, along with critics Tim Cogshell of Alt Film Guide and Synagogues.com and Wade Major of Synagogues.com as well. The Equalizer 3 returns Denzel Washington to the title role. Antoine Fuqua is the director. Richard Wenk is the screenwriter. It's, of course, based on the TV series. That's what led us to now this trio of films. Robert McCall is back. And, Wade, what did you think of Equalizer 3? It is basically the Seven Samurai in a small Sicilian village, except Denzel Washington is all Seven Samurai. <laughs> that is what it is, and and that's not really a stretch. It's you know he's doing his Equalizer thing. He's a, he's he's mysterious. He's clearly some kind of ex special forces CIA kind of guy, and uh, he gets dragged into this whole uh, drug smuggling thing inadvertently, which brings the mob down on this little village, and he's got to defend the village. And, you know, you, you watch these movies for the same high, the same rush that you get from a superhero film, except that Denzel's not a superhero, and he doesn't need to be, and it makes it better because he's so flesh and blood, and there's so much going on. And what I, what I always love about these movies is they don't try to be what they're not. They, they know their formula, they know their template, and my father, who was an acting teacher, used to always say, you know, acting is reacting, but great acting is thinking. Mm. And when Denzel acts, he is thinking. And there is just this, those close-ups of him, his mind is working. When he's not speaking, that's when he's doing some of his best acting. And it is, it is even if it's just a straight genre film, it is a wonder to watch him work. Yeah, yeah. Can't Equalizer go 3. I, I, I call this EQ3 Sicilian Vengeance Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what this thing is. Mostly this is a reason to go to Italy during the uh, COVID. It's what it really was if you want to talk about it. But you know what? They get a good Equalizer movie out of it. These movies are good because they're all the same. Whatever the storyline is, the tidbits, the stuff that's going on, doesn't really make any difference. They're all the same. Somebody needs some help and the avenging angel that is Robert McCall, which is what Edward Woodard was called in that series from 1985-1989. Robin McCall is what they call Queen Latifah on that television series. The thing that I love about all those movies, and it's true up to this one, is that the originators of that television series, Michael Sloan and I think David Lind- Lindham, Lind- Lindheim, I think is his Richard name. Lindheim. Richard. Yeah. Uh, um, um, uh, who passed away uh, not too terribly long ago, 81 years old. They had real hands in the creation of these films, and that television series, they did writing on these shows. And strong lead actors. Very strong. And, and I got to tell you, it's, it's, they came up with a concept, and if it's not broke, they don't fix it. And they haven't fixed it in 40 years, and they didn't fix it in this movie nope. either. It's what the audience expects. I mean, you, you walk in wanting to basically see Denzel be that guardian angel. And, and all the Italian actors, they all understand, I am playing basically a cardboard cutout role. But I am going to fill that cardboard cutout with as much character as I possibly can. So even these, these mafiosos, 
they're really, and I mean, there's a lot. We were talking about this during the screening too, because it's very referential and reverential to uh, the Godfather. Oh yeah, like there are some music cues where you go. Oh, Antoine Fuqua really likes the Godfather. That I think we could say that with complete and total confidence. Some of those cues are just it's a little too close. But, but Denzel does that thing. He gives he gives uh, McCall little little quirks and t- he has OCD. Our our Robert McCall, and you know, he's always doing these weird things with napkins and whatnot, and people always ask him about it. And yes, he he's quirky. Dipping the tea bag. Oh, it's ridiculous. And it's, but it's just all so real. It naturalizes him. And then he does these things in these scenes when he's dealing with these bad guys. He tells the bad guys exactly what he's going to do to them. Like, literally. <laughs> Nevertheless, yeah. he does it all. Are you threatening? No, I'm, I'm preparing you. <laughs> I'm preparing it's you. A great, it's great I'm stuff. I'm trying to help you. I and, feel sorry for him over there. And it, 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 but it has, you know, everybody who's working on this, these are A-list people. Robert Richardson, you know, cinematographer, multiple Oscar winner. Conrad Buff, one of the best editors in the business. They're all bringing their A-game to the material, and it elevates the material. And, and nothing like a genre film that that people really care about. It's the best superhero film I've it. seen yeah. this year, and it's yeah. not a superhero film. Yeah. Now, this is supposedly the final film in the series. Is ah. that just because well, Denzel's but I've done? heard that some folks are talking about having Denzel's son, John oh. David, play the prequel. Oh, okay. We can figure out where he got all those little OCDs. Uh, yeah. The Equalizer 3, starring Denzel Washington, directed by Antoine Fuqua. It's rated R and in wide release. Fremont is a drama that's set in Fremont, the San Francisco Bay Area city, and it's about a young Afghan translator who worked with the U.S. government, uh, finds herself in Fremont, California, trying to, to deal with a very difficult adaptation to the new environment. The film is directed by Babak Jalali, and it's written by uh, Carolina Kabali and Babak Jalali. The film's unrated. Tim, what did you think of Fremont? I like this movie very, very much. This is an excellent film. Babak made a wonderful little film called Radio Dreams and then you make this other little film called Land. These two films are excellent. Neither one of them are like the other, and and this is like neither one of them. I love that. This guy makes films that stand alone, Uh, and this film stands alone. This wonderful uh, actress uh, who plays this Afghan refugee, a a recent refugee uh, from the end of the war, and she's in Fremont, California. The film is in black and white, although it's not really in black and white. It's in color, desaturated to black and white, which matters because there are these moments where he lets a little bit of the saturation bleed through. It's, and, and, and it's very telling when he does that. This film, I think, speaks to, oh, shades of Jim Jarmusch, uh, like uh, old Jim Jarmusch. Right? Especially with the black and white. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, there's a lot of that going on in this film. Again, uh, there's a lot of reaction in this film. Our, our leads just sort of sit there and talk. And then, and then he puts the camera on the person that's being spoken to, and he lets them react to what's being said. Greg Turkington playing that doctor who tells <laughs> that so story. Good. And how he brings the story about White Fang around to where it is completely analogous to this young woman's life and her exodus from Afghanistan. I'm like, how the hell did he get there? But it's But he got there. It's such an interesting thing he does with White Fang because when he first brings it up, the look on her face is Really? About the white, dog? White, the dog? White, white yeah. Fang? Yeah. You're, like he's saying, you know, this is the best book about an immigrant ever. And she's like, Really? A dog okay. I'm I'll uh, and it's a and he's a little he's a little weird. He's a little kind of off center. This, this, this. You know, like he's he's her therapist, but he probably should be getting therapy from her. You know, it's it's that kind of dynamic. Um, but when he starts reading the book to her, he is so visibly moved by it. Suddenly, you understand. 
it brings you full circle. You're like, oh, he's not so weird. He's just really sensitive. Mm. Like, he's really sensitive. And she is blocked up because she was a translator. She's mm. not just an, a, 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 a refugee. Yeah. She was a translator. So there's all of that baggage as well. You know, she has some conflict with some of these other Afghans, you know, over uh, gender role expectations and whether or not you're an American and were the Americans the enemy. I mean, all of these ideas kind of are bleep, floating around. They're floating around. They come in from the edges. But yeah, it's got that Jarmish feel. It's a little bit of Hal Hartley, mm. even like a tiny bit of Kevin Smith, I would even say. It just feels like a great indie from the 90s. Because it is funny as we speak about it. It's it's very, very funny. She works in a fortune cookie factory. So all these <laughs> what, writing fortunes? She writes yeah. them. The, she, she writes them. And, when she's, and that's where all of that goes. All of that stuff that she's carrying with her. They go into the little things that she yeah. puts on the fortune cookies. And it's really just wonderful. Fascinating idea for a film. Uh, the star, by the way, is Anita Walizada. The film is Fremont, directed by Babak Jalali. Uh, the film is unrated, and it's at Lemley's Glendale Theater and the New Art Theater in West Los Angeles. And I understand that uh, Anita Walizada is a first-time actor who herself left Afghanistan just a couple of years ago. Mm. So that sort of adds to the richness of the film. Our Father, the Devil, is about an African refugee's life in a mountain town in the south of France and changes that the refugee goes through. The film is written and directed by Ellie Fumbi in a feature directorial debut. Wade, what did you think of Our Father, the Devil? Absolutely stunning. Uh, this is one of the best directing debuts I have. Feature directing debuts. She's made shorts, uh, but one of the best feature directing debuts I have seen in in years, maybe even this this century. Um, it's astonishing film by a Cameroonian filmmaker, uh, Eli Fumbi, who is who is telling a, a story centered around a woman who is a Guinean uh, immigrant to France. She's working as a chef. At a uh, an assisted living facility, fascinating. Okay, what you know? It's a, we think it's going to be basically an immigrant story. Man, it takes a hard left turn because she and I'm not. I, I'm going to try not to give away anything. She has a history um, rooted in Africa, and someone else shows up at this um, at this facility who also has a history that is rooted in where West she Africa. Where she would least expect it. Mm. And it is about where that relationship goes, and it goes to places you don't expect, and it goes to extremes you cannot imagine, and it is an emotional roller coaster that pulls you apart. And it really is extraordinary, because we're talking about a, a the filmmaker and the cast members are all West African. The location is a small village in southern France, but they are all based elsewhere. You know, she's ba- the filmmaker, Ellie Fumbi, is based in New York. Her lead actress, who is astonishing, is Belge, um, and originally from Guinea-Bissau. So it's, you know, you have this amazing kind of global tapestry that comes together at an assisted living facility in southern France. But all the baggage that they carry, all of this baggage, uh, it comes into a confluence that is just an emotional explosion that is is not to be believed. Yeah. She's an lead amazing actor filmmaker. Is, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Baptida Sajo. Tim, what did you think of Our Father the Devil? Uh, the film is breathtaking, and she in particular is breathtaking, mm. as, as are many of the performers in the film. There, are, there is a whole wide cast of characters. One uh, of the ladies at the, the older ladies at the assisted living facility was a chef. 
and she considers this young black woman to be her protege, and, and she's and she's she's bringing her along. She has this cottage, uh, and this in this irritating son. But it becomes a very very important thing in the construct of the story. The filmmaking here is fantastic. It's brave filmmaking. Oh. This is a filmmaker who knows that sometimes you can put a camera on a tripod and leave it alone, uh, and let the actors do it. She does that time and time and time again, and, 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 and to much avail, because the actors are fantastic. There are moments where she reveals to you something about a character that you haven't seen yet, because she has the camera on the face mm-hmm. of this character when she hears that character's voice. Voice. But you just learned everything you need to know about that person. Over there, fantastic filmmaking, so brave. I wish more people would do this kind of thing. She has, she has in, uh, tremendous confidence in her own writing, but she has great confidence in her performers, and that's something you see in so few filmmakers. She doesn't need to give you, and we'll, I'll mention this with another film we're going to talk about, but she doesn't feel like she needs a twist or a reveal at the end. This is a character-driven piece. We are learning about these people and these relationships, and where it ends and where it goes is sort of not relevant. It's that we're on a journey, and where that journey ends up is where it ends up, and that's where we end up, and we are satisfied by that journey wherever it takes us. All right, and uh, for the West African actors in the film... Are they first-time actors or no? They are no. all veteran actors. Yeah. They're all, all they're veteran actors, and she went and got a uh, a, a namey uh, French casting director to pull this cast together, and uh, it is really it's it's a tremendous effort. We're talking about our father, the devil, written and directed by Ellie Fumbi in her feature directorial debut. It's unrated in French with English subtitles at the Lemley Royal Theater in West Los Angeles. Let's at least give a little tease here to The Good Mother, the thriller starring Hilary Swank and Olivia Cook. Miles Joris uh, Parafit is the director. Madison Harrison and uh, Joris Parafit are the uh, is the writer. Tim, what did you think of The Good Mother? Well, you know, um, this, this movie starts off well. We have Hilary Schrank uh, playing this, um, who, when we meet her, already alcoholic journalist uh, working for this newspaper. Um, she has a son who's a cop and another young son. The, the young son uh, we see right at the beginning of the film uh, is killed. Uh, and this spins her out of control. Now, we learn over the course of this film that this is the second time that this has happened to her in her life. And there's something kind of complicated going on. She takes up with that son, the young son's uh, girlfriend who is pregnant. And they're going to try to figure out what happened to her son. So you get one of these stories. Now, the, the thing that this film does that that other film doesn't do is it explains a lot to you. Mm-hmm. And it does, in fact, have this twist. And it's going to do anything it needs to do to get there. <laughs> and yep. doesn't trust you in the process. We're talking about The Good Mother. We'll hear more what Tim has to say about her, what Wade has to say about it as well. The Good Mother starring Hilary Swank. It's rated R in select theaters. But that's just the start. We have documentaries. We have international films. We have much more with our critics, Wade Major and Tim Cogshell. And in case you joined us late, you missed what they had to say about The Equalizer 3, which they really enjoyed. Here what they had to say by downloading the Film Week podcast wherever you get your audio or at LAist.com. We'll be back with more reviews in just one minute.
Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Mix Mix, The Filipino Adventures of a German Jewish Boy by Boney B. Alvarez. Inspired by true events from the life of Ralph Price. After escaping Nazi Germany, a newfound tropical refuge in the Philippines is upended when Japan invades the islands. On stage through June 16th. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Support for LAist comes from Pasadena Water and Power, inviting everyone to join the ripple effect. Water plays a pivotal role in our lives, and every individual's actions matter in preserving this resource. Each action we take starts the ripple of change, making a greater impact throughout the community. Be part of the ripple effect and learn more about water programs, workshops, and ways to save at pwpweb.com slash the ripple effect. It's Film Week on LAS 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle with critics Tim Cogshell and Wade Major. Coming up in a few minutes, I'll be talking with Oscar-nominated Best Supporting Actress from 1951, Nancy Olson Livingston from Sunset Boulevard. Her new memoir, A Front Row Seat, An Intimate Look at Broadway, Hollywood, and the Age of Glamour. She'll tell us about uh, acting in four films total with William Holden, what it was like uh, when Billy Wilder essentially had a series of interviews with her to get a sense of who she was as a person before casting her as the aspiring screenwriter and script reader in the film Sunset Boulevard. She'll be joining us coming up in uh, just a few minutes. But we have many more films to talk about. We are right uh, in the midst of talking about The Good Mother, uh, following a journalist character played by Hilary Swank, who, after her estranged son is murdered, forms an alliance with his pregnant girlfriend to track down the killers. Olivia Cook co-stars. The film's rated R. Wade, what did you think of The Good Mother? Pretty much the same reaction as Tim. It's the... I wanted to like this so much more. Hilary Swank and Olivia Cook as her kind of, you know, the... Her, her daughter-in-law, technically. I mean, they're both working really, really hard here. And I love both of them as actresses. And, you know, it takes place in Albany. And Hilary Swank has really perfected this this very subtle Albany accent. I mean, they're, they're really, they're doing, they're putting in the time. But the script does that thing that that our father, the devil, doesn't do. It it creates a structure that it wants everyone to obey. It has a twist that it needs to get to, and so the characterization is all in the service of the twist. And it's the twist is one of my big pet peeves. It is it is one of the w- oldest and most generic cliches, because I've used it. <laughs> I, I know this twist. What do you I've, mean you've used I've it in your screenplay? I've put it into a screenplay years ago with a friend of ours that you know he and I wrote. We we used that twist and we didn't like having to use it. So it's it's a cheat. And when it gets to that place, you just you feel so let down and you feel so so betrayed because there are there are character aspects to this. This mother within this family and one son's a law enforcement officer and the other one's a junkie and he's dead. And all of these these horrible kind of 
difficult blue collar dynamics that that she feels she can't escape and she's a journalist but she's you know doesn't really she wants to just do editing and not write and there's all this baggage and all this stuff on her shoulders and I really wanted to get into that world and those relationships and it doesn't let me go there because it needs to get to all of these very methodological screenwriting tropes and it's very frustrating yeah final word Tim on the good mother no I, I, I agree completely and it's a shame because we got a lot of good performances here particularly uh, Hilary Swank. She's very good. She's all dressed down, uh, kind of playing the character, not terribly unlike the character she plays in that television show, Alaska Daily, you know? Um, uh, and But there's something there. What I like about it is it starts in the middle of all of this. Uh, she She's already drinking too much. She's already been through it, and then this is another notch, which is the way these things are so often. You know, it's another notch. But you don't need uh, this sort of thriller story to get mm. me in. I'm already here. This is a good story. The Good Mothers rated R in select theaters. The documentary Scouts Honor, The Secret Files of the Boy Scouts of America, looks at the many years of child sexual abuse and how the Boy Scouts organization handled that over the years. It's streaming on Netflix starting next Wednesday. It's directed by Brian Knappenberger. Wade, what did you think of this documentary? As I always say, documentaries, uh, you have to evaluate them on two different levels. Is it is it a well-made film, and is the subject matter compelling? And this fires on both cylinders. This is an incredibly well-made documentary. Um, and it is, an, it is, it is, I mean, the subject matter is just devastating. It is very, very difficult to watch. Uh, it gets into some very explicit stuff that will, even if you've been keeping up with this news story, um, you have no idea how, how the, the news has not reported some of these details, and they are devastating. Uh, full disclosure, I was, a, I was a scout. I was three merit batches shy of being an eagle, and I had a falling out with the organization. Not over any, it would, over things that are trivial by comparison, but I do feel a bit vindicated. You know, it was, it was a moment where I realized the organization kind of, that I was serving the organization more than the organization was serving me. Mm. Didn't like that feeling. And this gets into the history of just how all of this went so incredibly wrong. There's a law enforcement officer, and an old SWAT officer, and, and a child sex abuse uh, investigator who was hired by the Boy Scouts to be their guy and eventually, you know, had a falling out with them and turned whistleblower. He ne- he is one of the voices you hear. Their head counsel is another voice. The author, of the, the, the journalist who broke the story is another voice. And then all of these survivors. And you put all of those voices together in this film, and it's, it, is, it is a suspense film, maybe better than any suspense film I've ever seen. It keeps you absolutely riveted. Uh, and it breaks your heart, and it's so upsetting, and it, it does not end on a positive note, mm. unfortunately, and you need to be prepared for that. Scouts Honor, The Secret Files of the Boy Scouts of America, directed by Brian Knappenberger. It's rated TVMA, and it starts streaming on Netflix next Wednesday. The Indonesian film Before, Now and Then stars Happy Salma and Laura Basuki. The film is directed by Kamala Andini, uh, and it's unrated. Tim, what did you think of before, now and then? Oh, this is an absolutely extraordinary film. Yet another one that I can again uh, make some, draw some analogies to. War, the films of Warcon Y, and particularly his early stuff, Junkin Express, all of that sort of early stuff. It's sort of those beautifully composed Beautiful films, yeah. scenes, uh, usually about women, very often about women uh, in situations that they have little control over. This is that. Uh, based on an actual person uh, set between the, in, the, in, the, in the late 40s, middle 40s, uh, early 60s. 
1960s, uh, doing the purges uh, in Indonesia. And uh, this, this woman who has a husband and has a child, and she finds herself caught up in this situation, and she has to flee. She ends up with a second husband. Uh, uh, this husband has a mistress. And this movie is very much about her and the husband's mistress and how they together the as women. a team are able to create a life for themselves and their children. Uh, and it's just an absolutely beautiful film. It moves very, very quietly and gently. And again, it is a film where uh, when things are not being said, so much is being said. Uh, and it's, it's, so there's not a whole lot of dialogue in it. And, it, and of course, uh, the settings are, are, are extraordinary. The production design is just really, really beautiful. Set between the, the middle 40s and the early 60s and uh, beautifully performed as well. I think of Juan Carlos languorous uh, is sort of it, it sounds like this is very much oh uh, yeah paced that way oh yeah yeah and there's there's a scene at the end of this movie um uh, and, and it's it's a striking moment because i i asked myself wait a minute is this actually happening this scene uh we're in this moment this floating moment with her and her daughter and but i, I at, even now i'm not sure that actually happened in the movie uh, and it's, it, I like that feeling. I yeah, don't, don't yeah. want to figure it out. Uh, but it's just a beautiful moment. We're talking about uh, Kamala Andini's film Before, Now and Then, set in 1960s Indonesia. The film is unrated in Indonesian with English subtitles. And it's at Lemley's Royal Theater in West Los Angeles. A Day and a Half, a Swedish action film directed by Faris Faris, who also co-wrote the screenplay. It's a feature directorial debut. Wade, what did you think of A Day and a Half? Pretty solid uh, directing debut from Faris Faris, who's also in it. He's basically known as an actor. He's a very good actor. Um, a lot to unpack in this film, but it's but the the and the premise has it takes. It, it it cuts some corners. There's some some really questionable stuff here in terms of logistics. It kind of forces you to suspend disbelief. Uh, your your you know it, the, the suspension of disbelief is a little hard in a few places. But the premise is basically very simple. There's a man who is an Albanian immigrant. He had a relationship with this woman. They had a daughter, and they broke up. And he he's he doesn't have custody, so he goes to where she works at this hospital, and he pulls a gun and he takes her hostage so she can show him where she's hiding their daughter. And along the way, they, he wants winds up also taking hostage uh, the one of the Swedish police officers who is, you know, along for the ride to make sure everybody stays safe. He needs so they all wind up in the car together. So it's kidnap road trip. It's kind of kidnap road trip with a with a very slow convoy of Swedish police cars following them. <laughs> so this is how policing is in Sweden. <laughs> everybody everybody goes to the end of the earth to make sure everyone is safe and nobody does anything crazy. Uh, it's very different from here. You know, there's no escalation. Everything is about de-escalation. What's interesting is Far as far as is Lebanese born, so he's Swedish Lebanese, and the 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 other guy is you know an, an Albanian immigrant. So there there are these these uh, oppositional immigrant stories in this situation, which are very interesting, and you know the the sort of overt hateful racism of her parents toward this Albanian. Uh, man as the father of their their granddaughter and it's just you know all of these these very very difficult ideas collide here and there's no easy out because she's a hot mess he's a hot mess <laughs> and even even Faris Faris's character the police officer he's divorced he's a hot mess so you you think you know where all the moral dividing lines are in this car but you don't 
because they keep shifting very, very, very fluidly. And that's what I think is really good. So even though some of this stuff, you, it, it really stretches credibility. How do they end up in the car together? Why do you let this happen and that happen? It's okay because you get to a really interesting emotional place. <laughs> All right. So give it some slack because there's Cut a payoff. All right. It's streaming on Netflix. It's in Swedish with English subtitles a day and a half. Uh, and it's available now on Netflix. The documentary King Cole uh, is pretty self-explanatory from the title. It takes uh, the viewer to central Appalachia and the coal industry, its history and its future. Elaine McMillian Sheldon is the director. Tim. And the narrator, and she's also from uh, this area of West Virginia. So this is uh, very, very personal to her. She has family in the coal uh, industry? Lot, or her entire family. Deep, in, which is what the film is about. It's about the sort of deep reach of the coal industry of King Coal, West Virginia, this area. And what, it, look, we live in a company town right here. Uh, our company town and other company towns, um, Detroit, whatever, not like coal. Coal insinuated itself into these communities, unlike uh, uh, organizations anyplace else. Uh, uh, they have come in these places to recognize that some of our family members are going to be lost to these mines. And what we're going to do is accept that and honor them. But there's an acceptance thing going on here. So we have um, uh, Elaine's voice narrating as we're with these two little girls, uh, mostly this little white girl, but also this little black girl, because this, this, this area has sort of divided things in that way, too. And we follow them around as we roam uh, around this country, looking at places that used to be mountains that are now football fields, uh, looking at places that used to be clear, clean, running water that are now, uh, uh, what do you call them, clean up super, super fun sites. Super fun, yeah. Uh, and, and, but she also uses historical footage, photography, all kinds of stuff to take us way back, 100 years back, to what this community was like. And we see that it's not much different now. Uh, and, uh, and and now, of course, the coal is going away. Yeah. So the king has no clothes. Uh, and uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating look at all of this. Kind of reminded me of manufactured landscapes, only with narration uh, in, in that way. Beautiful film. King Cole is the documentary from Elaine McMillian Sheldon. It's unrated at Lemley's Glendale Theater. Goldfish, uh, a film uh, about a child of a mixed marriage who returns home to her estranged mother uh, because the mother is suffering from the onset of dementia. Uh, the film is directed and co-written by Pushin Kripalani. Wade, what did you think of Goldfish? I I don't like it as much as I wish I could. I think it has a lot of flaws and shortcomings, but it is a brave effort in in a couple of intersecting genres, which I I generally admire. Um, it's it's the it's it's partly the mixed the the English genre of people who are coming from um, Indian or Pakistani families and culture clash and perhaps mixed marriages. That's a thing that we've had a lot of movies explore, and then also coming home to an estranged parent to care for them in their time of need, in this case, dementia. So the, all of that is part of this. It's um, the, the lead actress is supposed to be mixed race in the film, half Indian, half English. Um, oddly enough, her, her, the actress, uh, Kalki uh, Kaiklin, 
is not Indian at all, and she's not English at all. She's French. <laughs> um, but her parents, uh, she was born in India to French parents, so she grew up in India, so she speaks fluent Hindi, so she's very connected to that culture. She acts in Hindi films as well. So it's it's interesting casting. But um, she comes back to her, her mom, her estranged mom, played by Deepti Naval, and they have to get over all their issues, and you know her mom is suffering from dementia, and there are all these additional family issues. It's very tame. They pull all the drama back uh, to where it's almost um, uh, very mundane. But then it hits some of these really interesting family beats and it kind of elevates a level. So I do think this is another one of those films where you have to kind of go in with uh, with with tempered expectations. But there are some good payoffs. All right. We're talking about Goldfish. Uh, the film is unrated. It's at Lemley Town Center in Encino. Coming up, we'll be talking with Nancy Olson Livingston, Oscar-nominated actress for Sunset Boulevard. She acted in four films with William Holden, also. So uh, you remember Absent-Minded Professor uh, and uh, The Son of Flubber. She was in those films with Fred McMurray as well. Also a career on Broadway and uh, two fascinating husbands, including Alan J. Lerner, the famed librettist and lyricist. We'll talk with her about her memoir, A Front Row Seat, an intimate look at Broadway, Hollywood, and the age of glamour. I assure you, in her 95 years, she has a lot to share. She'll be joining us when we come back in just 90 seconds on Film Week. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. 